This program was recorded for broadcast at this time. Welcome to What's the Score, a series solely dedicated to the support of Central Florida small business and entrepreneurs, donated as a community service by Salem Media Group. And now, here's Christopher Hart, Rich Jekyll, and Lucy Polito. Hello again, and welcome to What's the Score, the show designed to help you come up with that winning combination. And once again, we have the winning combination for you right here today because we have the duo award winners from Score. And, of course, that would be Lucy Polito. Great to see you, Lucy. Good. I hope. I wish I could say good to see you, but at least I know you're there, and I'm sure you're doing very well. Uh I am, too. That's right. I am the shadow with the shadow nose. <laughs> Remember that show? I know you do, Rich. How you doing, Rich Jekyll of Score? Hello, Christopher in a heartbeat. <laughs> That's right. I am Christopher Hart of the American Adversaries Radio Show. But, of course, this show, What's the Score, is all about score and what score has to offer for you, ladies and gentlemen. If you are a business owner or someone who's thinking about opening a business or know somebody that fits the description, score is there to help you along the way. Whether you're just starting out or somewhere along the way, SCORE has got something to offer for you because they have a great educational program. They have a great mentorship program. They have volunteers all over the country. How many offices now, Rich, around the country? About 384, Christopher. And they are all there with volunteers just like Lucy and Rich, and they're there to help you with your business. Oh, there's nobody like Lucy and Rich. Well... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> There's nobody rich. Uh, point well taken. Point well taken. I'll uh, I'll uh, concur to that. But okay. anyway, there are volunteers all over the country with expertise in all areas of business and life, and they're there to offer that expertise and that uh, wisdom to you. And here's the best part: you can get it well by the easy payment plan, right, Rich? I mean, the real oh, yeah. easy payment plan. Easy, easy payment plan. It's a big F word, man. Here we go. Free. <laughs> Free, ladies and gentlemen. That's right. There is. Let's drop back a moment, if I can. Please. please since I've got the floor, so to speak. Yep. Uh, SCORE is an acronym. Uh, it started out as an acronym. SCORE was founded back in 1966. And it was uh, started by uh, people from the SBA who figured that the SBA loan forms were so hard that you had to have counseling from somebody to be able to fill them out. And they were right. So (laughs) SCOR is a group of retired SBA people who, and I emphasize retired, who started this voluntary uh, organization that just helps people in those days just fill out the SBA form. But these days it's helped people with their small business. Anything you need to know. SCORE is the acronym for Service Corps of Retired Executives. It no longer applies because we're not all retired. Uh, but um, it is. it started out that way voluntary and it still is and we have about oh what how many volunteers now lucy across the nation oh it's approximately 15 to sixteen thousand. Yep, right and that was the best and they're all there to help you ladies and gentlemen and even though it is it's changed in the sense that it used to be all retired folks it is now retired and active 
Nothing else has changed. I mean, the principles are the same. The cost is the same. And yeah, the big one. That's right. And the success rate is the same, if not better. Because mm-hmm. people who – this is something maybe we should talk about a whole lot more, Rich, and that is that the people who take advantage of what SCORE has to offer, their success rate is higher than somebody who's just out there on their own. Oh, absolutely. I mean, uh, we did percentages. We used to keep track, but now we've gotten so large and so many people that um, uh, of, you know, successful people in our own offices, in our own divisions, in our own uh, areas like Orlando and that stuff. We used to keep track of, you know, how many people came in for services, how many ended up uh, being successful. And uh, it was pretty astounding. Yeah, the success rate compared to, once again, people out there just on your own. Because, once again, all these people, they have all this experience. Whatever problem you're going through in business right now, they've seen and done it before. <laughs> well, yeah, it, Especially Lucy. It, well, <laughs> you better be careful now. <laughs> she she can still wear, you know, wear out your shins with those high heels. But uh, pony, right. po- pony-toed boots. But anyway... You really need to, you know, once again, ladies and gentlemen, if you're in business, thinking about going to business or know someone who does or is, then, and once again, it doesn't matter where in the country they are, or maybe if you're planning on relocating, the SCORE office is going to be there to help you out. And a lot of people, you know, when they do move, for instance, uh, we've talked to people on the show before who uh, worked with SCORE in other parts of the country and then came here and started a new relationship with the SCORE office here. Either that or picked up where they left off because that, you know, we are all over the nation and the uh, methodology is pretty much the same. So you could be in California and move to Orlando and we'll pick it up from wherever they left off. Yep. Yeah. All the notes are in the system. Yeah. Counselor can just catch up on previous notes, no matter what city they're in or what they visited or whatever, we can go back see all the notes that led up to their uh, situation with us down here in Orlando and get pretty up to date pretty quickly. And in the rare occurrence that someone in the local score office doesn't have the answers or whatever that particular need that you have is, they can network with people all over the country. And I guarantee you some of these people, some of the other 15 to 16,000 are going to have what you need. So please do take advantage of SCORE. There's a couple of ways where you can get involved with SCORE. One way is to go to orlando.score.org, sign up for the newsletter. You'll begin to get alerts as to everything that SCORE is doing. They're always doing something. That's orlando.score.org. And you can also, if you have a question or you'd like to talk to someone more about perhaps uh, them mentoring you, you can call 407-428-428. I'm sorry, 407-420-4844, for SCORE. And if you call during normal business hours, you'll get an actual human being, the, the, the person on duty, right, right, Lucy? Yes, that is correct. And if she happened to have stepped out or something, you can certainly leave us your name and your number, and we will call you back. 
call you right back. So it's 407-420-4844 for SCORE and orlando.score.org. As we mentioned, they also have this great educational program going on, and every now and then we bring in a guest who's going to make a presentation uh, with particularly today the Coffee with a Leader series, which is Thursdays, and the next one coming up is Thursday, February the 4th, which brings us to our guest today because he'll be making the presentation, and that is Eric Schulman, an inside man. Eric, how are you doing today? Good afternoon. How are you doing there, Chris? Excellent, excellent. Eric, uh, I know you've been on the show before, but it's been a while. We have a lot of new listeners out there, and you've got a fascinating story. So let's kind of start from the beginning and tell folks a little bit about yourself. For instance, are you from this area? I actually actually grew up down south, South Jersey near Philadelphia. I moved to Orlando in 1973, and other than a couple of years in New York and Boston, Orlando has been my home ever since. Rich, you were going to say something. I'm sorry. Yeah, I was going to ask Eric. He's uh, he's he's going to be doing the coffee with the leader. Is he supplying the coffee? <laughs> yes. Everybody who comes to my house, but you got to get past my wife at the front door. I will buy the coffee. <laughs> Hard <laughs> wife. Okay. Right, and that's because this will be a, a virtual event. And you can go to Orlando.score.org to sign up for it. Once again, there's no charge for this. It is a live event where you can participate, Orlando.score.org. And if you happen to miss it, you'll find it archived there in the library at Orlando.score.org. Well, Eric, that was sort of the uh, the, the express route, but we want more of the scenic route. <laughs> so tell us what you did when you got to Orlando, and, and why why did you come to Orlando from from New well, York, I, I actually, New I Jersey. I actually grew up in a, in a retail business. My dad opened a record store in Levittown, New Jersey in 1963. And then six months later, there was a group called The Beatles that was on the Ed Sullivan Show. And I was the kid in junior high who's that on the record store. Wow. So I sold records and tapes and guitars and amps and played in rock bands and did all of that in the 60s. I went to Woodstock in 1969. I actually remember it, too. Uh, <laughs> it was only I just drove up from Jersey. But in 1973, we sold the stores in Jersey, moved to Orlando, and my family opened the Music Shack stores. First one in the Butler Plaza, then the Orange Blossom Center, then up in Gainesville, then one up in the the Longwood area. And I was in the family business, and I thought I'd always be in the family business. But I I hit my late 20s, and I realized I'm never going to get rich in a retail business with both of my brother's families, my mom and dad and myself. My dad had been telling me that since I was 16. So I left the family business and I'd been doing marketing for the stores and started in the marketing field. I was going to do direct mail marketing, 1980, Chris. In 1980, that was, you didn't need a chisel and hammer, but you needed a computer that cost almost $30,000 just to type letters. Sure. (laughs) So I mortgaged my house, bought a computer that would type letters and started selling letters, type letters and envelopes. I made a living for three years. And in 1983, somebody handed me a manual, a sales manual by a guy named David Sandler. I'd never heard of David Sandler. I read the manual and did what I read in the manual badly. And here's what happened. 1979, 19, uh, you know, 80 to 1983, I got the business out of the house. I got one employee. I'm sharing an office in Altamont Springs. Got the manual. Three years later, I moved into 17,000 square feet. I had 54 employees. I was still doing 95% of the sales based on what I had read in this manual three years earlier. Well, I tell you what, 
we have to take a break, but this is a good transition point because when we come back, we want to know what was in that manual and how you put it to to work (laughs) to get from point A to point B. I'll I'll fill you in. Okay. All right. So once again, you're going to want to stick around, ladies and gentlemen, Eric Schulman. And once again, you can take advantage of his presentation on February the 4th and you go to orlando.score.org to sign up for that. While you're online, go to an inside man, that's A-N, inside man, and insideman.com to check out his website. In the meantime, we will be right back with more of What's the Score? We're back. We are What's the Score, and we want to thank you for tuning in and telling your friends and family about the show. The audience has really grown. We really appreciate it. And by we, I mean myself, Christopher Hart, along with excellent volunteers from SCORE, yeah, because they have the awards to prove it. And, of course, that is Lucy Polito and Rich Jekyll. And our guest today, fascinating story, Eric Schulman. And he's the inside man, and his website is an inside man. And he, will, once again, will be making the presentation February 4th, Thursday. So you can, they actually begin around 8 a.m. Isn't that right, Rich? 8 a.m. for these coffees? Yes, yes 8 a.m. And you go to orlando.score.org to sign up. Eric Schulman. And I remember the Music Shack stores. I spent a lot of money in those places, Eric. But you it were just fun. But you were just telling us that you had broken away from the family business, was doing marketing stuff, found yep. this manual from David Sandler, and then remarkable things happened. That's where we left it off. Yeah, the business blew up from me and one employee to me and 50 people in three years. And I credit the process that I learned out of the manual with that. Um, I was good to start with, but it was sort of like pouring gas on a fire. I sold that business in 1992. I met my wife, Sharon. She already had a little store you might have heard of if you're in Orlando. It was called Sprinkles Custom Cakes. Yep. It started out in Maitland, then moved to Winter Park. Well, she was a one-woman shop doing four or five wedding cakes a month, making a living. We met. Um, Turns out her maiden name, believe it or not, is Shulman, the same as mine. Oh, wow. Yeah, my son is Mark Ryan. Her brother is Mark Raymond. Over drinks one night, I'll give you about 13 overlaps. <laughs> I, I tell everyone we're Jewish rednecks. The family tree grows straight up. <laughs> well, we didn't, Matt, we, didn't, we didn't have kids, so it's okay. Um, so we started a date. She asked me to get involved in her business. We took it from four a month competing at grocery store prices to 15 to 20 a week with seven employees in about a seven-month period. Wow. In 95, she began to get ill, so we sold that business. I had never held a job, and here I am in my <laughs> mid-40s, and I'm, I'm, I'm unemployable because I've never held a job. Well, I went to work for a consulting company in Boston. They moved me up to Boston and upstate New York. They used professional trainers who taught the Sandler methodology. Well, by 98, I'm training the whole damn company. I was their number one sales guy five out of the eight years I was there. And the problem was in 2000, they moved me back to Orlando, but I was making too much money. And it was all commission, but they didn't feel that I should make that much money. So they started giving me less appointments. (laughs) Now now that is (laughs) management. Obviously they had not consulted score before they made that decision. (laughs) (laughs) And so rich, rich, what I did is I increased my close ratio. 
So then they cut my appointments in half again. Oh, boy. And there's only so much rock you can squeeze, blood you can squeeze out of a rock. And so my wife, being much smarter than me, also being disabled at this point, said, we need to find something else. Well, that meant I needed to find something else. And then she said, you already know the Sandler stuff. Why don't we buy a Sandler franchise and tell George where to stick it? April Fool's Day of 03, we opened the Sandler Training Center here in Orlando. And for almost 20 years, I've been a Sandler trainer. I merged my office with another Sandler trainer about two years ago in preparation for my retirement. Um, March of last year, I came home because I got bored uh, after being home for a couple of months because uh, I'm old. I, I can't be in the office doing all my training from the house. And I got the idea to form an inside man. Like I need to form a six business at my age, but I realized what I was good at Christopher was I was good at starting growing and selling packaging businesses. And most business owners don't know how to set their business up to sell because it can't be balanced on their back in order to do it. So what an inside man does, I focus in three areas, business growth, business transitions, and you'll like the last one, business therapy. It's lonely at the top. Business owners need somebody to talk to and somebody they can tell the truth to. Somebody who's been there before. And if I don't have the answer, if I don't have the experience, I know someone who does. My dad taught me the cheapest experience is someone else's. If you can learn from someone else's mistakes, and that's what score is all about too. Yep. If, if Richard or Lucy or I have made a mistake in the past and you're about to make the same mistake, we can sit there and say, you know, that didn't work out so good the last time I saw it and prevent you from making that mistake. Like somebody could have prevented those folks that uh, were cutting your appointments in half from making that mistake. Yeah. Uh, Rich, oh, no, that was that's greed. No, that was greed. Yeah, that was greed. <laughs> one thing, one thing that I teach is that salespeople are coin operated. We op- we're a f- creature of our comp plan. You screw with our comp plan with a good salesperson, you're going to lose that salesperson. Right. Eric, uh, that's for sure. Uh, did you work at a company in upstate New York called Computer Task Group? Were they in Rochester? Yeah. They were in Rochester, yeah. Ken Schwartz, uh, senior VP? No, that was one of our competitors up there, though. Yeah. Ken Schwartz was one of the part owners and the senior VP. He's my wife's cousin, believe it or not. We did some analysis work for them. But no, I did not do any training for them at all. Uh, that, was, that was when I was in the consulting business, not in the training business. Okay, gotcha. <laughs> okay. Well, once again, our guest today, Eric Schulman. And InsideMan.com is his website. That's A-N, and InsideMan.com. And you can also uh, uh, take advantage of his presentation, the Coffee with a Leader series presentation, this Thursday, February the 4th. And you can sign up for that at Orlando.score.org, Orlando.score.org. And I want to get to that here in just a minute. But I want to go back to this manual that you mentioned uh, by David Sandler, was it? David Sandler? It's the Sandler Selling System. I was going to ask you that. What what was it that the just give us kind of because it really seemed to turn around your operation. What what was it that you were missing that you found in this manual? Um to be blunt, everything. 
Okay. I was a good salesperson. Understand, I was selling $1,000 Gibson Les Paul guitars in the late 60s and the early 70s yep. when you could buy a really good used car for $1,000. Okay. So I knew how to sell expensive things. The whole process is this people buy for their reasons, not your reasons. People do not buy features, advantages, and benefits. People buy one thing. Will this product or service fix a problem that I have that I have to fix? And that's all that they buy. We buy lunch because our stomach hurts, and the only thing that will fix that pain is food. We buy an automobile because 90% of the time, because something's wrong with the old car, it no longer fits our needs. 10% of the time, we buy strictly out of pleasure, okay? When I bought my motorcycle, that was strictly a pleasure choice. wasn't a pain choice. But when I needed, when my car broke down and I needed a new car, most of what we do is based upon the fact that something hurts. And so our job in sales should be to find out what hurts, not to tell people about our product or service. Christopher, let me ask you a question. Do you need an aspirin right now? <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> okay. I, I do usually notice, do after do having notice? a talk with Rich, though. So go, go ahead. <laughs> you, you, you might at the end of this uh, this hour. There you but, go. But you notice you can't even give an aspirin away to someone who does not have a headache. Sure. But we have all been at one of the parks one day, and we had a splitting headache, and there's nothing in my purse. And so I go into the Jiffy ripoff store, and I paid five ninety five for two aspirin, and I was happy that they had it. Right. For five ninety five, I could buy a lifetime supply at Costco, but 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 I paid five ninety five for two. Why? My level of need, my level of pain was high enough. When you buy water, you buy it for two fifty or three fifty a case, right? Twenty cents a bottle, fifteen cents a bottle. But we've all paid four dollars a bottle, five dollars a bottle at the airport or Disney or one of the parks for water. Why? Our level of pain. My kid's screaming and he needs the water. It's worth $5 to make the kid stop screaming. So people buy things to alleviate pain. So when you start realizing that it's not about my product or service, it's about them, the whole process slips. The, 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 the prospect and their need become the center of the sales call, not my product or service. If they need my product or service, they will eventually ask me for it. All right. The next thing we have to do is we have to talk about money early in the process. Are they ready, willing, and then a key word here, able to spend the money to make the pain go away? If they don't have the money, it doesn't matter if we can fix the pain. The third point of qualification is, am I dealing with the decision maker, Christopher? Right. The one who can say yes, the one who can say no, not the one that says, I got to go check with Lucy. All right. Because I make the decisions. Yeah. But, but Lucy's the decision maker and she's not in the room. I'm not going to get a sale today. Right. But, but, if, but if you have those three elements in front of you, they have a problem they have to solve. Right. They have an already willing and able to spend the budget. And I have the decision maker. You ask people one question. So, Rich, you're telling me if you could fix this problem you just told me about, it was costing you X number of dollars. Within your budget of X dollars, you'd actually do something? And Rich then says, Yes. No, because I've already seen the course that you're talking about. <laughs> All right. But no, 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 it's not, no, I'm not about the course. In a role play, Rich, 
If you could yeah. fix that $100,000 problem for your $25,000 budget, would you actually do something, sir? Yes, sir. But not right away. Okay. Because you don't want to fix this right away? I do want to fix this right away. But you, you wouldn't want to fix it today, would you? Uh, quite possibly. Well, let me ask you this, that 100,000 bucks a year, that's only about nine grand a month or about two grand a week. How many weeks do you think you should wait before you fix it? Well, until I get the money saved up. Well, you said you had a budget of 25 grand to do this. Yes, I did. And you're losing two grand a week right now. Right. So it'll be 12 months before I go through it. <laughs> so how many weeks do you think a smart person would wait before they plugged a $2,000 leak in their pocket? Well, I should go to my accounting department and see where the money is. And if the money's available, would you actually do something? I might. You tell yeah, them to cut a check is what you so, do. So, uh, so Rich, we, you really hold on, hold on. Fix we got to take we got to take a break. We'll come right back with more of this. When what's the score? Okay, we're back, and we are What's the Score? Once again, thanks for tuning in, ladies and gentlemen. Christopher Hart here, along with Lucy Polito and Rich Jekyll. Our guest today today is Eric Schulman, and he's an inside man. And His website is aninsideman.com. That's aninsideman.com. And he was just demonstrating something with Rich there, and Rich was kind of giving him a hard time. But the, the obvious answer to the questions that uh, – that Eric was posing was, yeah, if you can provide a solution in my budget, sure, I'd want to do it. And that's what you, I think you said you during the break, you call that a qualify and close before your presentation sales technique. Yeah, 90, 99% of people, it's qualify, present, overcome objections, and close. And if you've ever seen a movie on sales, ABC means always be closing. We've all seen the Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, Alec Baldwin piece, right? And what if you took the opposite tact? If you played a little hard to get and you made them prove to you they have a problem they want to solve, that they're committed to solving, and then you make them prove to you beyond a shadow of a doubt that they are ready, willing, and the keyword able to write a check for that. And make sure that you're dealing with the decision maker or makers in front of you. When you have all of those elements and you say, so if you could actually fix this, not me, somebody else, for that money, and you were sure it was going to work, you'd actually do something, people say, well, heck, why wouldn't I? And that's where they close themselves. Well, yes, I would buy that if I saw that. Now all you have to do is show them what you have that just happens to fix that. And as long as it's within their budget, you've already closed them. So there's no pressure in the presentation. Lucy, you had a question? Yeah, I'm, I'm just wondering, in today's environment, as we have, we don't have too much of a chance to talk to a salesperson. So how do you translate that into an actual marketing plan, a written plan, or well, some sort of advertising? You just keyed into something. The problem is that people today aren't picking up the phone and calling. Everybody is sort of defaulting to texting and email and social media and putting out posts and blogs and things like that. Companies do not buy from companies. People buy from people. We have to make a connection to people. I don't care what level you do that on. You can start with an email. You can start with a phone call. But when you look at the mechanics of 
prospecting in a pandemic. It's about behaviors. There are certain behaviors that we do. I know that if I dial the phone a hundred times, a certain number of people are going to answer the phone, whether it's 50%, 10%, or 90%. And once I know that if I dial the phone and about half of them pick up the phone, then I got to figure out how many of those do I turn into conversations that are longer than a minute or so? Okay, now I have a ratio. I make 100 calls. I have 50 conversations that turn into uh, 50 people answer, and that generates 20 conversations. Well, out of 20 conversations, how many of those will turn into a next step? Whether the next step is them sending you specs, doing a face-to-face meeting, getting other people on the call, doing research on each other, and whatever that next step is, which then leads to a proposal or a request for a proposal uh, of some sort, a presentation, and then how many of them do you close? So that's called a cookbook. If I know that out of 100 phone calls, I'm going to close two, and my average deal is worth $10,000, that's 20 grand. That means I get paid $200 a call. Do the math. 100 times $200 is $20,000. Adds up, yep. And what people tend to look at is I'm getting 99 no's. No, you're getting paid $200 for every no you get. That changes how you look at the process. What about the um, younger generation, the people that I see that are a lot younger? They don't want to respond to the phone. They just want to know something by the internet. You either text it to them, you send them an email, and and all they want to do is through this new system. Uh, how are we dealing with that? When I was in, the, when my wife was on sprinkles, the wedding cake business, brides were taught never get on the phone with people. So how do you convert an email to a conversation? You ask interesting questions in the responses to the email that they can't answer yes or no. And after two or three of these, they say, look, we can do this. It's going to take us a while, or we can have a 15 minute phone conversation and probably answer all your questions, which would be easier for you. And then the client says, let's get on the phone. Would you like to meet face to face? We could do it as a zoom call. I I love working on Zoom or Microsoft Teams or I love the visual because 55% of the people out there are visual. When you talk about how we take in data, visual, auditory, and kinesthetic, I can get into a little NLP there. Um, But 55% of us, our eyes, we see things. We're visual beings, okay? Um, Take a look at the way we market and package stuff. It's marketed towards the majority, which is more than half of us. Um, so visual, um, when you take away the visual, now you're dealing with just the words and tonality in terms of communication, 55% of communication in a meeting is body language, facial expression, physiology, the room they're in, how they're lit, what their hair looks like, whether or not they have a ring in their nose or ear, um, you know, whether or not they have a beard like me. Okay. And so that's more than half of the communication. 7% is the words. Let me repeat that. 7% of face-to-face human communication is the words. 38% is something your mommy taught you about, your tonality. So when we're on the phone, there is no visual. It's 17% is the words. 83% of your success on the phone is based on your tonality. How we say what we say. Think about the person you're calling. 
Think about the voicemail you're leaving. Think about the gatekeeper you run into. He or she has got to figure out very quickly, and their ears are very well attuned, is this a salesperson? So you can't look, touch, taste, feel, act, or smell like you're selling something when you're making cold calls. I go Columbo on them. Those of you old enough to remember Columbo. Hi, I'm a little confused. I think I'm lost. I wonder if you can help me. And the receptionist says, what do you need? And now I'm a little helpless guy on the phone. I'm not a threat. It's, we miss it by tiny little things. So go back to your original question, Lucy. How do you turn electronic communication? Ask interesting questions. Throw some information out, throw a ton of information out that they can't do anything with, but that shows them you know what you're talking about. You can do it in one question. Have either you or Rich or, or, or Christopher ever managed a large group of salespeople? Been responsible yeah. for them? Rich, you have. Okay, Rich, as the big sales manager, how many people did you manage? Oh, probably close to 200. Okay, Rich. Sales manager to sales manager, let me ask you a question. What did your worst salesperson cost you last year in what he or she didn't sell? Not much, because I usually fired them. I know, but the worst one, what did they cost you and what they missed? And what they missed, oh, probably revenues of about 10 grand a month. For how many months? As long as I held on to them. Which is normally... Uh, would have been about three months. So 30 or 40 grand. That doesn't count their salary and, 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 and the training expense, does it? Uh, no. And, but you only had one bad one last year? Uh, no, I retired 20 years ago. I know, but if you were the sales manager, go back <laughs> oh. to that. You only had one bad one? Uh, usually just about one a year. Out of 200? Yeah. You can put, no, <laughs> I used to go with them on sales calls every time I visited an office and made sure that whatever they were doing you, was tweaked to follow a certain regimen or a certain thing that worked. Rich, in any sales organization, you're going to have about 10 to 20% A players. You're going to have a bulk in the middle of probably 50% that are B players, and there's always a 30% of C players on the bottom end. They're either newbies that may or may not make it or ones that are on their way out. So out of 200 salespeople, you had 60, 50 to 60 that underproduced. I would say it was less than that because we kept a really close monitor on each salesperson. I mean, but you were replacing them quickly. Uh, we were replacing them, yeah. Okay, so you had a you had a revolving door problem, different due to hiring issue. You weren't hiring the right people and had to do but any sales team. What you have to look at, but the worst salesperson you said cost you thirty grand plus the training expense. Right. But you only had one like that. Normally, what a sales manager will do is, no, I got four of them. I've got fourteen of them. I've got forty of them, and they've just added those numbers up in their head. The next question I ask, is that something you want to fix or should I hang up? No, I should have fixed it or I should have been gone. Well, and, and but, the, but the thing that we have to do is we have to have a question that we can ask the person we're reaching where in an instant they go, I need to talk to her. Whoa, that was a good question. Man, I don't want to think about that. 
If you make them think about the things they don't want to think about, they'll talk to you. Your job as a salesperson, when you're calling someone to sell a product or service, is quite literally to ruin their day. You've got to make them to think about what's wrong, not about what's going right. Whether it's the copy machine, if you're selling copiers, whether it's the, the desks and the chairs with, that people might be having ergonomic problems with, whether it's the fact that their internet isn't working properly, whether it's their sales team. So whatever we're selling, we're trying to diagnose a problem within that area. If they don't have any problems, we don't need to talk to them. And if they do have problems, our job is to create a safe enough space where they can actually share that with us quickly. What I'm finding about right now in the pandemic is that people are more willing to talk for longer periods of time if they're comfortable with you. All right. Well, I tell you what, speaking of time, we have to take a break. It's a good point here to do it. Once again, our guest today, Eric Schulman, an inside man, an inside man.com is the website. And he will be making the presentation for the Coffee with the Leader series February 4th. You can go to Orlando.score.org right now and sign up. And we'll be right back with more of What's the Score? back and we are what's the score and once again we want to thank you for tuning in ladies and gentlemen we really do appreciate it eric shulman our guest today an inside man an inside man.com his website we'll get right back to him in just a moment but you know rich jekyll and then lucy polito and myself christopher hart have been doing this radio show for quite a while now and what what you want to know folks that's because radio is still one of the best ways to get a message out to a mass audience and SCORE has been getting the message out thanks to the Salem Media Group here in Orlando and Bill Files, the sales, the sales, actually the station manager. Here is, we've been talking about sales, so it's on my mind. But Bill, of course, is the sales and station manager here at Salem Media Group Orlando. He is the man to talk to if you would like to get your voice, your message out to a mass audience on the air with great radio stations, great powerful signals, and great audiences. And the man to talk to, well, his phone number is 407-618-1760. Bill Files, 407-618-1760. And now with Salem Surround, they can also help you with your social media platforms and tie it all together into a nice package for you. So give Bill a call, 407-618-1760, and tell him Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hart sent you, if you would. All right, Eric, I got to ask you, uh, you're going to be making the Coffee with the Leader presentation February 4th. Once again, ladies and gentlemen, there's no charge for this. You can sign up at Orlando.score.org. You do have to bring your own coffee, though, Orlando.score.org. And uh, and then uh, you can – and that is to catch it live Thursday, February 4th, 8 a.m., and to catch it afterwards where it will be uh, archived in the library. So if you participate live and then want to go back and relive the experience and then and maybe pick up something else that you might not have got the first go-round, you can do that. Or if you can't participate live, of course, you can, you can uh, take advantage afterwards. And earlier you said that uh, this is going to be about – uh, growth, transitions, and therapy. And so <laughs> give, give us a little taste of, of each. I think we've been talking around the growth one because of the sales techniques and things of that yeah. nature. 
Um, uh, you, know, it, you know, it tends to go that. So a little bit about, about the transition, business transition and business therapy. I'll briefly cover those. Business transitions. Uh, you start a business up. Most people start a business, Christopher, without an end plan. You wouldn't plan a vacation without knowing the destination, how to get there, where you're going to stay when you're coming back. But people start a business and most business owners own their own job. They don't really own a business because they can't walk away from it. Uh, if any of you have read any of Robert Kiyosaki's stuff in the book Cashflow Quadrant, he talks about employees, self-employed business owners and investors. An employee trades hours for dollars. Most people are employees. And they trade, they sell their time at wholesale and the business owner resells it at retail. If you're a dental hygienist, they pay you X number of dollars an hour, but they bill more than that to the patient. That's where the dentist makes money on dental hygiene. A self-employed person is the dentist. The dentist makes many more dollars an hour, but if the dentist doesn't show up for work or doesn't have a lot of people working for him, uh, if the dentist develops a, a shake in his hand, now he can't stick a needle into your mouth and he no longer can earn that same thing with a heart surgeon same they they earn a lot of money but the hours when they stop putting in the hours the dollars go away a b quadrant business owner has other people doing the work and he makes a percentage of that but after a while if the business runs properly he doesn't have to or she doesn't have to put their time in think henry ford who invented the production line. He said, I'd rather have 1% of 100 people's efforts than 100% of my own efforts. Think Bill Gates, founded Microsoft, worked it for years, 10, 12, 15 years ago. He says, you know what? I want to be a philanthropist. And so he literally left Microsoft. Microsoft has doubled and tripled in size in the last 10 or 12 years. He owns a lot of stock, but his money makes money for him, and he no longer has to put in the time. Most business owners have a lot of trouble moving from the S, self-employed, to B, a business that doesn't depend on me. Because the business owner's ego, Christopher, is very, very fragile. And he, he thinks that he's the best or she's the best, and it can't run without me. And that's owning your own job, not owning a business. So I help people make that transition, put the systems, the processes in place, get the right people in place so that eventually a year or two or three down the road, now I can take Fridays off. Now I can take three weeks off and not call in and the business will run without me. Does that answer your question on the transitions? I think it does. I saw, Lucy, you were nodding your head, though. Did you want to jump in here? No, I, I just, I happen to agree with him 100%. That is one of the big fallacies of people who have uh, businesses. They don't ever want to leave it alone. They're afraid that if they leave, the place will fall apart. And that's not a sign of a good manager, if you will. Because at the end of the day, if you're the owner of the business, you are the manager. Uh, and if you have done a good job, you will have people who will replace you. And, really, and you just collect the money. That's and, what it's all about. And the reason a lot of us entrepreneurs need help with that is because many of us are like control freaks, right? Uh, if you're running a business, you kind of want to have your way of doing things in every part of it. And you got to kind of sometimes let go of that, don't you, Eric? Yeah, well, because my way is the right way. I'm the founder, right? Exactly. I yes. actually have something here that I got years ago, and I'll show it to these guys. It's on a little piece of paper. It says, Baxter, we really haven't been happy with your performance since you founded the company. <laughs> <laughs> uh, because the guy or the gal who starts the business, 
an entrepreneur is not necessarily the right person to run and grow and operate the business. And, and, and understanding that and when you make that transition to hand the management keys to somebody else and do what you're good at, which may be starting another business. It may be concentrating on the creative side or the marketing side or the sales side and let somebody else run the day to day. Now you've got something that if you're not there, it can still be sold because it has value. All right. The last one is the therapy. therapy. Yeah, I, I, we have to get to that. <laughs> Go ahead. Okay. All right. Um, Don't mention my name. Well, Rich, I told you I keep that stuff confidential. Okay, thank you. Um, business therapy. It is lonely at the top. I have owned businesses. I've talked to other business owners and business owners don't have someone else they can, in a sense, get naked with. Here's where it really hurts. All the warts and all the bad stuff. So I run a CEO group once a month called a CEO mastermind group. We get together 10, 15, 20 business owners. Everything is confidential. And we talk about what's going on in the business. I do executive coaching where I'll sit down with a business owner and they'll tell me what's going on in the business, the stuff they're struggling with. If I can't fix it, if I haven't been through it, I probably know four people I can send them to because of the 40, 50 years of business background that I have. Um, So it's having that business equal to talk to. Someone that you respect as an equal, someone who's going to call you on your crap you know, and say, no, 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 you and I both know that ain't true, man. And you're going, but, 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 no, no, I ain't buying that. Who will stand up to you, hold you accountable to make you do the things that you know you should do, but sometimes we don't. About 15 years ago, somebody gave me a quote, and I still remember it verbatim. And here's the quote. Every day, sometimes several times a day, we must choose between what's most comfortable for us in that moment and what's truly right for our life, which way do you normally choose? Hmm. Right. It's making those tough decisions to do what may not be most comfortable, but what I know is right. It's not having that extra Danish because you know you need to lose the weight. That's a tough choice to make if you like Danish, right? Sure. For me, it's ice cream at night, not having ice cream at night. So right. it's, it's, you've got to choose what's going to be right for your life, not what's most comfortable in life and in business. As a matter of fact, we have a contributor to my other radio show, Colonel Danny McKnight. Um, if you've ever seen the movie Black Hawk Down. Oh, I know Danny. Yes. 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 Uh, he's written a book, Streets of Mogadishu, and he makes the same point in his own language in that book. He says, much of life is about making the hard right choice rather than the easy wrong choice. And you, you, it's basically the same thing. You know, we're, we're, con- we're confronted with these all day long, and they can be small things or they can be huge things. But the bottom line is, is to be aware that it's important to make the, the, the hard right decision. Sometimes it's easy, but most times uh, you're, you're confronted with a temptation. But once again, Eric Schulman is going to be making the presentation Thursday, February 4th, the Coffee with the Leader presentation, 8 a.m. for the live presentation. And you will be having questions and answers uh, portion, won't you, Eric, on Thursday? Yeah, at the end, I'll stay, I'll stay as long as you guys need me to to answer questions. Okay, so take advantage of the live presentation by going to orlando.score.org and sign up for it now. There is no charge. 
orlando.score.org. And if you miss it or want to see it again, you'll find it archived there in the library, orlando.score.org. And while you're there, please do sign up for the newsletter as well, and you'll get alerts for, like, Eric's presentation coming up and other things. There's always something going on at SCORE, and the coffee series is just one of the ways they are holding educational seminars now. So please do find out all about this by signing up for the newsletter and all the other stuff that SCORE's got going on at orlando.score.org. And I almost got out of here with uh, without mentioning that Rich is really desperate for you to like him on Facebook at Score Orlando on Facebook, so uh, so he, he he needs some therapy. So send it in the way of a like on Facebook. That's uh, Score Orlando on Facebook. And once again, Eric's uh, website is aninsideman.com. And do you have like a contact page there where people can contact you, Eric? In the meantime. They can, they can contact me. If anybody would like to attend the CEO group that I do at the end of the month, please let me know. I'll be happy to have you come in as a guest. Okay. That is an insideman.com. And that's A-N, an insideman.com. Uh, it's been a fascinating show, Eric, and uh, what you're doing is fantastic. And I know this is going to be a great coffee presentation, and people are going to really enjoy it. So thanks for being on the show with us today. Christopher yeah. Honor, and let's, I'll see you all next week. Yes. Okay, thanks a lot. Thank you. See ya. All right. Very good. Thank you. All right. So, once again, sign up for the newsletter, Orlando.score.org, an insideman.com, and the Coffee with a Leader presentation on February 4th, no charge. So, sign up for it today. That's going to do it for us, by the way, ladies and gentlemen. Once again, we want to thank you for tuning in. Until next week, that's all for What's the Score?